Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sarah Wilson, and this is Wild a show where we talk with the biggest minds in the world about the ideas that can help us love and save our one wild and precious life together on this planet. Hi, everyone. It's another Friday and it's another ramble from me about something one of you out there has has asked me to answer. Uh, For those of you new to this format, this is a new and extra episode that I'm running on a Friday where I answer a question posed by somebody from my Substack community. So if you're listening to this on a podcast application such as Spotify or Apple, hello, Um, but I'll just offer the invitation to come and listen and watch this this offering um, over at Substack where you can watch the video, but you can also join in the comments thread afterwards where myself and about 1,300 um, subscribers, paid subscribers, join the conversation um, each week on these kinds of Ask Me Anything podcasts. So you can join by going to sarahwilson.substack.com and the link is also in the notes below. So the question today came from Dan and it was um, posed to me a while back in one of the comments threads, Um, but I saved it. Um, The question is, what do you think of marriage? And I think the implication there is, well, you've never been married. You've talked a fair bit about relationships But how do you feel about the institution of marriage, either for yourself but, you know, as a general thing in society? I should start by saying that, um, well, you know, in many ways um, I've been single for a very long time, for 15 years, so perhaps the conversation starts there, although I think that is a conversation for another time. Um, When I was seven I I spoke to my mum about this kind of stuff. I was seven years old and I said, mum, I am going to be the first female prime minister when I grow up or a nun. And my rationale in my little seven-year-old brain was that this was a way that I could have an incredible life and not have to get married. Now, this is strange because my parents actually have a very tight marriage, like they still do 50-something years later. Um, All my brothers are married. No, sorry, I should say partnered with children. Uh, Two of them are married. Um, but they didn't have a wedding. It was um, something of a formality um, to the extent that uh, my brother's partners both come from Europe, so it was sort of to make things easier um, when it came to working out residency permits and all that kind of thing. 
So I dug up this question from Dan uh, for this week because there's been a flurry of commentary recently about marriage uh, in The New Yorker, in New York Times, in The Atlantic, and I always find it fun to talk about. I've also noticed over the years that these kinds of studies, and these studies are are essentially saying that uh, marriage makes you happier. Um, Yes, and as, as I say, I've noticed over the years that these studies have propped up, um, or I should say cropped up, every couple of years. And I went back onto Google and had a look, and indeed, I think 2018, 2006, 2003, like every few years, again, some institute, some university does another study to this effect. Sure enough, just um, the other week, another one has been published by an economics department at the University of uh, Chicago, and it's found that Americans, as Americans get unhappier, and that's actually um, something that's been documented as a decline that started in around about 1972, and it did a massive drop-off after about the year 2000. It correlates with a decline in marriage. So the authors say that they sliced all the demographic data every which way, um, income, education level, race, location, age, I think gender as well, and they found that declining happiness is mainly attributable to declining marriage rates. So the commentators, mostly men, uh, mostly with an economics background, uh, mostly older, uh, took to this and uh, wrote a bunch of op-eds, one of which was written by David Brooks, who I'm usually a really big fan of, and he wrote about how young people should put more attention, more focus into getting married than they put into their careers, um, which is a contentious point, and I'll put the link to that article in the show notes once again. Okay, so let's pick this apart a bit because I've been asked what I think of marriage. Um, and I think my, I guess my reaction to these studies probably gives the answer. So the implication with these studies that is that marriage causes happiness. And that's the angle these commentators have all run with. But um, I've noticed over the years, there's been other studies that have done that have been look, have looked deeper into uh, why this might be the case. And what they find is that it's not so that so much that um, marriage causes happiness, it's that marriage selects for happiness. So marriage doesn't make you happy, rather happy people get married. And there was this 15-year um, study that was done by 24, uh, on 24,000 Germans. So it was a meta-study of these kinds of studies. And they found that married people um, in these studies were happier to begin with. So they were happy before they got married. They got married. What do you know? They're still kind of happy. Um, the other factor in all of this is that happy you know, happy people manage to get um, partners. They tend to get married because happiness is attractive. And happy couples get married because presumably if their relationship was not a happy one, they would have split apart. So it's possible, right, that as Americans stopped being as happy over the last 50 years or so, that they also stopped getting married. And I guess what I find worrying about all of this noise about the benefits of marriage um, is that it actually prevents us from looking at what might be the very real reasons for um, happiness and unhappiness levels. And anyone who's read first, oh, sorry, this One Wild and Precious Life um, might recall how I refer to um, this phenomenon of American life expectancy declining. And when I wrote the book, it had declined for three years in a row, and this was for the first time in recorded history that this had happened. Then it um, declined, you know, throughout the COVID period, 
And then since then, since I published the book and so on and COVID's all over, it's also declined for another one or two years. So I think we're up to six or seven years now of a decline in life expectancy. And when I went to write the British version of um, this one wild and precious life and I updated it for the UK market, I found two things. First of all, The same trend is happening in the UK. So I think for one or two years now, uh, life expectancy in the UK has dropped. And I will just point out the reason for this is the same reason that I cited um, for the American decline, and that is what is referred to as the diseases of despair. And that's opioid use, alcohol abuse, and suicide. These are pretty real issues and not, I think, uh, directly related to whether a person's married or not. So um, the second thing is that I also looked into sort of the, the statistics and, and what else was happening. Um, the average American height is also declining for the first time in a very long time. And again, there's a link to um, various despair uh, issues that are happening in, in the US um, and obviously around the world. So these things need to be looked at really broadly and and seriously. And if we pin it on this idea that it's because marriage uh, makes people happy and people aren't getting as married as often, therefore it's leading to a decline in happiness, I mean, it's just it's not going to help the world, basically. Um, now, there is some research that shows that marriage does tend to lead to a boost in happiness, but it lasts on average about two years. And the studies show that it affects men in the main. So men experience a happiness boost after marriage, women not so much. And so I guess that probably explains why so many of these men are frothing about these studies and suggesting that we should all go and get married uh, while women remain a little bit more circumspect. Um, So as I mentioned, I do see a lot of these studies crop up um, from time to time. And I do notice that they tend to emerge during times of sort of political and economic instability and flux. And I think there's a reason for that. Um, It's very much tied to the conservative imperative. And for Australians who are listening, you might recall back in the early 2000s, we had a treasurer called Peter Costello who came out, um, I think it was in reaction to what they were were worried about, basically a ageing workforce um, and taxation issues. And so they came out with this baby bonus and the slogan was, uh, women have a baby for him, a baby for you, and uh, a baby for the country. I mean, it was kind of like it was 1952 all over again. Women's bodies have always been a battleground for economic issues. And I remember studying this when I was at university. Um, I studied feminism at ANU. And um, it looked at the way that during times of austerity, you know, if you think about sort of after First World, the First World War, during the Depression, women's body shapes um, essentially go very lean, very masculine, very androgynous. They start wearing pants. They go back to the workforce. Um, and women's rights get elevated. So, for instance, the vote came about during that period. You then go to periods of opulence and women are sent back to uh, the suburbs to have children. The body shape, the ideal body shape becomes very um, hourglass, lots of blonde hair, eyelashes, nails, fake tans, boobs, hips, all of that kind of thing. It's the maternal figure. And we see this ebb and flow throughout history. And um, that is something that has to be borne in mind whenever 
these kinds of debates about marriage come to the fore? It's like, is this more about a political or economic imperative or are we really looking at wonderful benefits of marriage? And look, it is invariably tied up with economics. Um, as I said before, it's generally economists who run these studies. Um, and one of the studies puts a dollar value on marriage. I think it's about 100,000 uh, US dollars a year. I don't know exactly how that plays out. I was also listening to a podcast recently um, that spoke about a study that showed that women in marriages are less happy when they earn the same or this or more than their husband. And when men earn less than their wife within a marriage, they're a lot unhappier and they tend to cheat uh, or be abusive. And I'll put the links to those studies in the show notes for anyone who wants to look into that further. So um, there's so much more to say on all of this and uh, I could go on forever, but I do try to keep these new podcasts to under 15 minutes. Another bunch of studies um, that I think are fairly legitimate is they do uh, ones that show that uh, people who are in close supportive relationships tend to be happy. And to me, that makes a lot of sense. And it turns out in our culture, the easiest way to have a close supportive relationship is to be in a marriage. And our whole culture is set up for that paradigm. Um, the laws, the tax breaks, um, the sitcoms, the movies all work to sort of the male, female or husband, man and woman um, marriage as the, the format for going about having relationship or in, being in relation. Um, so I get that. But like I said in last week's episode, life is asking something quite different of us these days. And so adhering to the status quo, I don't think is always going to be producing the best result. Um, and I think it's always important to challenge structures, especially structures that are tied to political and economic imperatives. Um, and we can always ask ourselves if we can do the desired outcome, if we can achieve the desired outcome in a different way. And look, for me, I haven't got married. I don't, um, I haven't taken that easier path to a close supportive relationship. But what it does mean is that because I don't have that, I have to focus on creating that kind of relationship elsewhere. And I'm reminded of this time in my early 30s. Um, I had to go to Bali and I, I was doing a story on uh, Elizabeth Gilbert going to see the shaman in Eat, Pray, Love. Some of you might recall that part of the book and the movie. And I managed to find this particular shaman's cousin uh, in a nearby village. And so I went to this guy and, you know, he had kids and ch ch chickens running around, dogs everywhere. And he sat down with me and I don't recall too much of what he said, but there was one thing that really struck me. He said, Sarah, you will never go for marriage kind of relationships um, because they get in the way of relating. Now, I think I was 31, 32 at the time, and it was a fairly hard pill to swallow. Um, and I don't know whether I whether it be, ended up being entirely prophetic or whether I um, took it on as advice, uh, but voila, here I am. I do tend to agree, though, that some uh, structured relationships can get in the way of true relating to the world, um, to life, um, to the collective, um, to strangers, to opportunities. And so 
yeah, I, I've sort of done a big full circle there from starting out with my own personal take, um, my reaction to some of the studies that say that marriage is the way to go, um, and then back to my own personal position. So, I, Dan, I hope I've answered that question for you. Um, please, everyone, do head over to Substack. Uh, sarahwilson.substack.com. There'll be a conversation there. I'll answer further questions. No doubt there'll be incredibly smart people providing extra comment and uh, links to various resources that are always very interesting. And it's there in the comments thread that you can post a question that you would like me to answer in coming weeks. Okay. I think that's all for now and I'll see you here same time next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.